Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. An earthquake, a quarantine, then we're talking about throwing people in jail and fining them for gathering groups of 10 or more. For that very reason, I'm alone in the podcast booth today for this edition of Take Two. Mara Carabello from Exoro Group is on the phone with us, and State Auditor John Dougal also on the phone. Thank you for being with us. Hopefully we can make this all work not in the same room. It's a weird world we're living in. Nice to talk to you today. Okay, Coronavirus, so- hello from the state capitol. Well, thank you for everyone keeping your germs at bay. Mara, let's start with you. Where are you working this week? We're a few days into this new quarantine life. So we're a small office downtown, um, and we have been out of the office uh, for all of the week, um, including earthquake days. And then for the first time ever, we we gathered, uh, four of us gathered today to do some deeper coordination to prepare for next week. So by and large, I, um, I have the basement of the house. My husband has uh, the upstairs and the kids have their rooms loosely is where we've staked our territory at our house. But I, I am in my office for a minute today. Which reminds me of the funny thing people are putting online right now on Facebook. People keep putting house plans on there, asking what your weekend plans are. Are you going to go to your kid's room, the basement? What are you up to? So, uh, John, you're out of the house, so this is exciting. It is, especially because I was actually on quarantine uh, Friday afternoon through Sunday night. Who were you with? Why did you get quarantined? Tell us about this. Well, my son works back uh, for Congress back in D.C., and he had actually had a breakfast meeting with the uh, – acting Brazilian ambassador, mm. who was reported to have contact with President Trump. So because of that, we immediately went into quarantine to then get him tested and stuff like that, and then we got cleared as a result. That's so. good. I, I was worried that you were going to blame it on um, Ben McAdams, but well, my son was also, President Trump. My son had also seen Ben McAdams that same week, so <laughs> he was glad Ben didn't share it with him either. And I spoke to Ben on the phone a couple nights ago. What night was it? It's all starting to blend in, like the earthquake, the coronavirus. But it sounds like it's kind of, he's obviously not in the hospital, but his lungs did not sound good, and he was coughing through our whole interview. So hopefully he is up and at him and feeling better. But when you think about a member of Congress and all of the people they meet with you know, before they're even symptomatic, there's a lot of people that get spread. So I guess that's why we're all at home right now. Everyone's trying to ask the question, is it overkill? Is this too much? So we're going to get to all of that. The first thing I want to talk about, though, is last night, it was probably around 8 o'clock, we started seeing um, posts 
I don't think they were even pushed out to news media, but Salt Lake County on their website had posted their new guidelines that came with um, actual teeth from the law saying that if you were in a group larger than 10, that you could get a Class B misdemeanor. If you were caught more than once, it would be a Class A misdemeanor. That comes with fines and possible jail time. Utah County doing the same, and we were like, what is happening? Is this a police state? An hour later, after I spoke to uh, Salt Lake Attorney District Attorney Sim Gill, the governor came like the dad out and being like, mom said you could, I'm saying you can't. And we were like, what is happening? So communication is maybe not going super well in the state right now. Uh, John, let's start with you on this one. Are you surprised at all that maybe all of these different moving parts are not talking to each other when we're coming up with these new guidelines of who can be where and for how long with whom? Well, no, I'm not, I'm not concerned that there's what looks like a little bit of uh, miscommunication, stuff like that. Clearly, if everything is going in lockstep, it's going to be slow and not be able to be as responsive. But clearly, I know in Utah County, um, they had put out this thing, and then they quickly backpedaled and said, yeah, but we're not going to impose any criminal penalties. This is more advisory. So I'm not sure why they didn't just put out advisory rather than making it look like we're going to find and threaten people with legal action. But therein lies the problem. More than 10. Yeah. And I'd like to know, just for disclosure, I'm the oldest of 11. There was 13 in my house. Some of us probably would have been kicked out. Yeah, you would have been camping. I asked Salt Lake District Attorney Sim Gill about that last night, and he was going through, you can live with a large family. That's okay. If you have to go to work, that's okay. But you can't be inviting people over for a barbecue. And he was saying that they would prosecute if people were willfully disobeying. And so it was different than what Utah County was saying. But, Mara, when you look at this and they make something up, write something down, they say this is the law, if you have groups of of 10 or more, and they don't give a lot of explanation, even if they say they're not going to prosecute, does it start to feel like it's a police state of sorts? You know, I mean, when I heard that news, that's my immediate reaction of, oh, this is exactly the wrong place uh, that we should be going. And I think it's exacerbated by where we're getting our information, right? I mean, things are spreading on social media, they're spreading on good sources, and there are some uh, disconnects about what you're hearing. I um, it, it was sort of a bummer for me because after a couple of days of strong leadership by, by particularly Salt Lake County on the earthquake response and inside baseball was sort of applauding Salt Lake County over the last couple of weeks where they were a little critical of Herbert Cox's state's response to uh, getting out good information. So Salt Lake County was on a roll and then you hear this and talk about emphasizing the wrong thing at the wrong time is the you know the misdemeanor and and you look and say is that the priority of first responders absolutely not um and i i really appreciated the strong statement from gary herbert saying hey listen this is not where our focus is we trust each other we respect each other and he really brought what i expect of leadership back to um the place i will say i mean i think there are many of us who if they take the road of this punitive measure and want first responders and law enforcement to focus on these sticks. Uh, in my mind, it's, it's the wrong tone. It's the wrong approach. Um, and I found it just incredible that that was the conversation. It got quickly corrected. I feel like most people backed away, but the health departments are certainly under a ton of strain right now, obviously, but it was a, certainly a miscommunication step. Well, and here's one of the key concerns is, with this kind of action by the health departments, there are some folks out there that already wonder if the government has gone overboard 
in what they've been advising. And so I think that will push some folks even further to say, hey, forget all this. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Well, and here's the key to success right now. I mean, what we're all seeking is quality data-driven information. And the and that's where all of our government resources need to be right now is focused on giving us good information so that we can make good personal choices. And when you feel like you don't have enough information and then the government announces they're, they're moving to sort of a police state punitive, um, it's fundamentally un-American, I think, to not recoil and say, excuse me, where if it was based on data and sort of based on really solid, good information about how to work collectively to get through this, I think we're all very willing. So as John is suggesting somewhat, it's a, it is a matter of how you're approaching the public conversation. And I hope they, this little blip, uh, uh, they're hearing it and, and they, it won't happen again. Absolutely. And I think part of the weird thing going into this is the United States of America is a big place. There's a lot of moving parts here. There's states, there's counties, there's cities. And you look at the different response. Our neighbors to the north in Idaho, they've done very little with uh, quarantines or closing things down. Here in Utah, uh, the governors have been very proactive. Schools are shut down. If you don't have to travel or don't be places, you're not. Then we look at California last night that basically said, we're on an order to stay home unless you have to leave. It's very different, and I think people are wondering, you know, which state is right, and if we're all not doing the same thing, is it going to work? So I know a lot of people have questions in adding to the nervousness this week. Who would have thought we'd throw an earthquake in the mix? Weird. A lot of shaking going on. Yeah. <laughs> right. For a lot of my employees, it was the first time for them to ever be in an earthquake. And, it, and it's, you know, I mean, I've lived in California. I've lived in Puerto Rico. I mean, when I was in Portland, we had Mount St. Helens. We had a couple earthquakes up there. You know, so I think this is probably my 10th. So it's kind of like, uh, you know. So it wasn't very exciting for you, folks, John? You know, it wasn't very exciting for me. But for other folks, yeah, it was very spooky. How about you, Mara? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, so so our, we were lucky. Our house was fine. And. Um, and, and it was more just shocking and, and thrilling and scary and all those things. The aftershocks actually were, were weirder for me than the initial. I was awake for the first one, so obviously very aware of it. But what it really brought to the forefront is sort of all of our mental health, right? I say that not yes. clinically, but just like how do we all move away from it a little, take walks, take deep breaths, not just get really focused on all that's going on because this week has just felt – um, really surreal. It's been well, a lot. Point, I spent the day on Wednesday basically reaching out to each of my employees just to make sure, because they're all essentially most uh, remote. So how are they doing mentally, mentally? How are they doing physically? How's their home? All that type of stuff. Just to check on them and make sure they knew somebody was there concerned about their well-being. And I think that's one thing we're going to have to do going forward. We're very, um, we're habitual animals as humans and we like to do what we like to do and we've all kind of been thrown off a lot of people are staying home my life's been pretty normal because I keep going to work with news but all of a sudden we're homeschooling our kids a lot of people are working from home you're not allowed to go places you can't go out to eat where you want to and so it's been a lot to handle at once when you throw an earthquake in the middle of it it's like whoa what are we doing so I do appreciate uh that we got a medium-sized earthquake, and it was kind of a wake-up call for us to all be ready for the big one. But I think it may be added to the panic at the stores because it was like, okay, now we really need our toilet paper and water. So anyhow, Costco, I think, is still crazy out there. And as Mara mentioned, uh, kind of a double whammy for Salt Lake County where they had to be dealing with two different problems at once. So the good news is we're getting a lot of practice in dealing with 
new problems and seeing if we can handle them. And I think we've mostly handled them well. You know, it seems to me like we've done really remarkably well. And, um, you know, I, I, what, what I noticed is it was terrifying. But if you look at our base infrastructure, I mean, hats off to preparedness there. Our, uh, with the exception, I think, of one overpass that they wanted a few more days to check out. None of our systems failed. I know people lost electricity for a bit, but it was more along the lines of a storm. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't catastrophic. Yeah. And, uh, our infrastructure stayed in place. And one of the things I think we're all struggling with is how can we be, be sort of relieved and somewhat minimizing and taking the long view and not also being the chump who isn't responding, right, and being, and being wanting to be responsive to it. And so how do we say, wow, that we, we did okay. And um, by and large, our systems kicked in. Sometimes the true test is in the following weeks when small businesses need some loans because they have had some minor damages, or um, there will be repairs uh, that need to happen. And so I hope our state government stays uh, in tune to those in our county government and follows through on those who need a little bit of help with the repairs. But man, I thought our infrastructure did quite well. I think well, this the bigger storm that's coming is going to be the economic storm. This is where, you know, so many business shut down or restricted in operations, employees home and so forth and so on. What is the ramification that's going to take place? How many people are going to lose their jobs? I was talking with a friend who had just laid off 100 employees, cut the pay for about 400 others, and basically said, I think I'm on a trajectory to downsize 20 employees just to keep the company afloat. So. Which is scary for a lot of people and um, big changes here. We've been talking in the newsroom, you know, what can we do to help local businesses? Because restaurants, bars, dining, bars, they can't serve takeout for good reason, like restaurants can. So they're shutting down. People who live off of tips don't have them anymore. Um, hopefully people, while doing their social distancing, can maybe keep some of these businesses running by ordering takeout, picking it up, uh, maybe buying, it's been suggested, gift cards so that the business gets money right now and then use them down the road when everyone's feeling better and we're out of quarantine. So there's a lot to think about. That brings us to um, the U.S. Senate's been working on, there's been multiple coronavirus aid packages. And the one that's the biggest that's going through, uh, the Senate uh, unveiled it last night. They would give us, um, all adults in America, $1,200 recovery checks. That would be for most taxpayers. They would phase out for anyone who makes over 75000 or for a couple who files jointly 150000 and then 500 per child. There are some families that are going to need this. They live paycheck to paycheck to get by. I'm still working. Uh, all of us here are still working. And then you start to think about, okay, everyone's got to get the money because it's hard for them to figure out who gets it. Then we get another trillion dollars to the debt. Is this unsustainable? What do we do? They've got some hard things to think about in Congress. Mara, what are you thinking? So, I mean, as John said, the impact is real and we need to plan for it. I, I would probably take a different approach than the Senate is taking. I think that unemployment is already in place and really funneling it through the systems we have now. I know they set thresholds, as you suggested, for minimums, but I still think those thresholds um, might, might in some ways be too high and we need to focus on getting the money to the, the working um, class and particularly those in retail services who immediately lost their jobs. Uh, and, and so I would rather see a variation on our unemployment, which is already in place, and I would rather see that system bolstered than what feels a little arbitrary to me in which you just choose people whether they've requested that 
aid or not in the Senate. So I do think this has long-term ripples. The one thing I think that we have to address, too, is this notion of income inequality and the employer versus the employee and take different tacks to say, how do we keep and sustain big business like Delta Airlines, which Salt Lake really relies on, the state of Utah really relies on? How do we secure them and bail them out, maybe using taxpayer dollars and what we expect of them and their shareholders needs to be an entirely different line of thinking than how we deal with the employees who need immediate help. And if we don't help the employee recover, it, it will make a, for a longer drag of our economy. I think where if we fail with the employee, America will be in bigger problems. And so I would like to see us very much focus on these folks who have jobs, who are gainfully employed, and it's a unique pandemic that has created this price crisis, unlike the crisis, you know, within the mortgage markets um, from 10, 15 years ago with the recession. But I would like us to really separate and say, what are we going to do with our employees? What's the bailout and what's the support system long term and focused on those who need it? And then also, what is our recovery plan for them, the larger business? Absolutely. And um, I am not smart enough to do, do all the math. And I think one of the concerns of this, John, now this is obviously something that you're good at. You're a state auditor. But a lot of people are looking at these bailouts, which need to happen quickly because if they need things in place so the parts of the economy will keep turning and moving, they've got to do it quickly. But when Congress passes things quickly, they miss things, and then they don't realize there might be some unintended consequences. That was something John Curtis was worried about today. Uh, When you look at the numbers and the math, does it make sense to you what they're passing? Uh, No. I mean, I get that they feel that they need to do something. Um, I I first come from the perspective of really this is more a state and a community type of thing and an individual thing and not a federal responsibility. But when you look at the numbers and say, okay, they're going to send checks like this out to everyone, I'm, I'm still employed. I don't need the check. Okay. Yeah. There are folks that clearly need help. How do you target it better to help them without hitting everybody and just saying, Merry Christmas, here's free money. And that free money is now a trillion dollars of new debt that we're going to be paying on time and time again. And Congress can't ever seem to prioritize. They can't ever seem to say, okay, we want to spend it on this. We're not going to spend on that. And here's how we're going to fit within a budget. Uh, you know, the, the out-of-control spending at D.C. continues to be a major problem. And this just enhances it. Over last year, that it was increased. We're in a booming economy last year, and we grew the debt. This is just, just kind of crazy. It definitely is making a lot of people nervous. And when you look at what people are talking about, whether it's on social media and Facebook or Twitter or whatever, I think people are more worried about where their economic bottom line is going to be than if they get the uh, coronavirus. And we should be worried about both. But when I was talking to my husband about this, he said, you know, we're obviously trying to save lives by staying home and people not going to work. But what will happen a month from now and someone's filing bankruptcy or they can't pay the bills? Are we worried about mental health and then suicides, you know, and how many lives will be lose there. So it really is important that we do get the math right on this so that we help people in the right places. And so, um, yeah, there's a lot a lot going into this and different ways to solve the problem. Certainly not an easy one for sure. And, and, and before we totally leave the economic conversation, uh, one of the things that I've been focused on the last just 24 hours since I think we're, we're all living in sort of two and three day increments is um, some of what happens, I think, for, uh, for us um, psychologically is you feel out of control and you're not sure and you don't have the control you want. And 
So if, you, if you're looking for what to do uh, on your computer, if you start Googling what can I do, I will say there's a lot of things. The, the government's a big gear, and they need to have the big gears check in. But this is a moment that I believe that $10 um, circulated amongst each other or $50 or whatever you can afford uh, matters. And so, for example, Aaron Mendenhall and actually Ty Burrell with Downtown Alliance in Salt Lake City put together this really good charge in which they're asking us all to donate, and you can find this online at at Downtown Alliance, where if we donate, they're going to make a pool and start distributing it to servers and um, restaurant workers in the Valley. And there are, and that's only one. I mean, there are websites, really great websites right now that are showing restaurants in the Valley and in the region that are still doing takeout and trying to decide to do takeout one or two times a week. Um, because if we can give the $5 or leaving an extra tip, uh, so we need the government to do the big gears, and they need to solve the larger problems. But this does create a significant area where I think it does two things for us. I think it is material help if we all donate the 10 or 20 or $30. But I also think it, it empowers you to feel like you could do something and feel like you could have control over that action in your life. And I think and we all desire point, that, right? We need control right now. And tomorrow's point you know, even if you can't donate money. I was down at the food bank on Tuesday helping sort food down there for donations that had come in. And so you can volunteer in other ways if you can't afford it financially. One of the other things that's quite creative is Cache County, I understand several restaurants came together to create a co-op for delivery so they could deliver to folks' homes. Awesome. So, you know, seeing folks come together and innovate that way is impressive. There are a lot of good things going on. So I'm loving to see that. And if anyone needs um, work, I know it takes some readjustment if you're used to working as a server. Amazon, um, they're hiring, and I think they're hiring at $15 an hour uh, or $17 an hour maybe starting. They need people to deliver uh, a lot of grocery stores that can't keep up. They need people to work overnight. So there are possibilities out there. I think we're all going to have to readjust, and I think the problem is, is are we waiting because we think this is two weeks and then we're back to normal? Is it four weeks? And I think that's the big question right now. Do you just hold on or do you readjust your life and apply for other jobs? I know even our college kids have big question marks. They're at home now, and a lot of their part-time jobs have been laid off, and they're like, can I apply for a summer job? How am I going to pay for school next year? So it's not just all the grown-ups in the room, but our next generation of grown-ups that are worried about how they're going to make it work as they move forward, too. So a lot of question marks in our lives right now. Um, here's something I did not see coming yesterday. I was on <laughs> uh, Twitter, and I was looking at everyone who's been filing for office, and I saw John Swallow, and I'm like, did someone type that wrong? No. He's filed as a Republican candidate for the Utah AG's office again. Anyone else shocked by this, or did we see this coming because he wanted his day uh, to get the job back again that he felt like he was wrongfully pulled from? Anyone? So I this did was, not, uh, this I did was not see curious. that coming. Go ahead, <laughs> no. Mara. This was just so curious. I had an elected official text it to me um, right when he filed, and I thought, you know, this is why you don't spread rumors. Of course, John Swallow didn't just file. And then later I saw it on the lieutenant governor's uh, site. It's particularly curious. I am going to also, uh, I, don't, I don't know John Swallow, but I will just sort of analyze how he did it. Seemed weird to me as well. He didn't show up in person. He didn't take questions from the press. Um, he, he has this third-person voice on his uh, website. It's all 
it's very curious, I would say, and in an unusual way, um, my, my the cynic in me, just because of how he did it and because he didn't normalize it and, and, and want to make a personal statement, it feels a, a little bit like there are maybe other gears and motives going in place, whether that's um, showing you you know his status or whether this is just attention seeking or whether uh, I, I don't I don't I don't know but running he, just he, because he can curious. yeah yeah it was curious yeah and so John well, was... and he filed the proxy so this is something allowed when you're out of the country but uh, clearly there were accommodations made during the quarantine or self-isolation period so folks could file by proxy so someone needed to show up in person and then you could do the rest of it electronically and so Omar talks about it being odd. This was a standard practice that was put in place for the last week for filing mm. for folks that still wanted to self-isolate. So it's still but, but weird. I did not see this coming. But clearly, there's no love loss between um, uh, Sean Ray's and John Swallow, uh, going all the way back to 2012, 2013, and those dynamics. I just don't understand where he's looking. Whether I don't know. I, I guess I'm wondering where in his polling or whatever he's done that he thinks that he can get these votes unless people he's counting on just by name recognition and they don't remember why they remember his name, but they remember it, they vote for him because he was acquitted. Let's put that out there. But he resigned amid a pay-for-play scandal. It cost taxpayers $4 million just for the House investigation, not talking about the FBI or the DPS investigation. And uh, then the state paid him out $1.5 million. So he's cost the state a lot of money. And even if he was acquitted here, we all have a lot of information about him that doesn't exactly put him in a glowing light. So it's just so strange to see him running. And the weird part is Sean Reyes is running. We also now um, know that David Levitt out of Utah County is running. And then another big name, Greg Scordis, a defense attorney. So it's an interesting, interesting time. But um, – First, first three running on the Republican side, Greg Scurtis on the Democratic side. Absolutely, yes. So it's just weird with all of these big names in the race, but it's a free country, and he was acquitted, so he can run for his seat again. We'll see how it goes. So we wish him and the rest of the candidates the best of luck. Speaking of candidates, uh, we've been waiting for Lieutenant Governor Cox to make his pick since so many others have, and uh, he picked Deidre Henderson. Uh, John, what do you think? Is this a good pick for him as he moves forward? Uh, I'm going to suggest that this was his lucky day. This is probably the best pick he could make for his LG. Uh, Deidre Henderson is a solid, solid public official. Uh, she's done a good job in the Senate. Um, she doesn't have statewide name recognition, but she is a very, very credible LG pick, and I think it was his lucky day. Do you think, Mara, that um, as his ads came out that he had picked her when the fires were going on this last summer and he said, you know, I knew at that time that this is who my pick would be? Or has he waited to this point and thought, okay, she's doing a great job, she's doing a good job in her Senate district, and this is a great pick, should we go for it? So, I mean, I think this was a very strategic pick. Uh, I think that that all the campaigns so far who have picked running mates, of which – um, traditionally, we wait a little longer. This is not a traditional year, but traditionally, we wait a little longer. We've gone out early, and I think to date with Thomas Wright and with um, John Huntsman and now Spencer Cox, they're clearly doing what you usually do, which is try and balance your ticket. I think um, picking a female was fairly strategic. I think going with a bona fide conservative from Spanish work from Utah County um, was strategic. I think really the only thing that she doesn't bring is, as John suggested, name ID, but she has uh, some nice bona fides with that, and I think that um, 
she this this was very strategic. I think the one thing that we need to see a little more of from this campaign is some substance. I mean, their uh, image building and um, and connecting with the public is so terrific right now from just a a play-by-play -play analysis of, of how they're um, executing. But I think we need to look for, they're, they're not pumping out a lot of plans right now. Um, Cox has also interestingly enough said, hey, I'm going to still stay focused on Corona. So Henderson is going to focus on the campaign. That'll be a different launch for a, a lieutenant governor than the other campaigns have done, right? I mean, when Absolutely. They, they're still running. So it'll be interesting to see what her profile looks like in the next couple of weeks. Uh, she certainly has the bona fides, um, as suggested. I love seeing strong women in the race. So the more women uh, that we're picking to help be in this, it's awesome. It's good to see Amy Winder Newton still in the race as well. Uh, these races. And it will be interesting to see who Amy, Greg, and Jeff Birmingham. Um, because they're running it. It's true. We're still waiting for those picks as well. And it's going to be weird this campaign season. I've always felt like campaign season, at least in the presidential races, is far too long. I just emotionally get over it, and I want to compact it into a shorter piece of time. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens now locally with our gubernatorial races um, and presidentially as well, because nobody can go out and draw a crowd and have a big campaign crowd. There have having to change things up right now. So it'll be interesting to see exactly how they pull off these campaigns, especially with conventions and caucuses changing to online and getting canceled. And on the um, national stage now, Joe Biden, it's hard to remember this too, because Tuesday seems like two months ago, but Tuesday we had some more elections. Joe Biden uh, came out on top as the likely nominee, but Sanders is saying that he's still in it. He's thinking about what he wants to do. Gabbard, though, Tulsi, who was in there, and Mara, we were talking about this, thinking that maybe she was the youngest uh, last week, and she was hoping to survive the pandemic. But she folded as well, and she's backed um, Biden. So is Biden the nominee, Mara? Biden is the nominee. I think Sanders has, from the very beginning, uh, Bernie Sanders' career has been about keeping issues that he cares about in the forefront, taking clear and decisive, albeit far left positions, and he's about changing the discourse. And I think that thinking is why he's still in the race. The math isn't there um, for anybody but Joe Biden. So will Sanders well, back him? The debate. Bernie's driving the debate. Bernie's pushed the uh, Democratic Party to the left. So I don't agree with that. Just to, I, I think that that is, I think that that's sort of maybe what one says as a pundit, and I think that that were true eight to ten weeks ago. I think if you look at the one-on-one -on -one debate with those guys and if you uh, look at what the Democrats are pulling on in the field, um, I think they're moving to a position in which they are already pivoting to the unaffiliated Americans that are going to make the difference between choosing Trump. I'm just talking Trump about over the last many years. I'm not talking just this election. Bernie's been moving the party. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So that's um, one interesting thing here, we were talking about um, Lieutenant Governor Cox. He's in an interesting position right now where he's in charge of coronavirus, so his face is out there. He gets to talk about it a lot. President Trump's in the same position. They're running for office. John, does this help either of them, or does it possibly hurt them if things don't go well with coronavirus? It's like a double-edged sword, I think, for them. I mean, it can help and it can hurt. Uh, you know, we'll pick, for example, it can help because there's lots more FaceTime and press time in front of the public and building name ID. It can hurt if your response looks inappropriate. Um, you know, 
folks have commented about President Trump and how he maybe didn't take things seriously early on. Folks have commented about Cox, where he's only holding a press conference, so everybody has to show up at the same time he's telling people to self-isolate. So you get this inconsistent message. Um, the other thing that will be interesting is as we get through coronavirus and it ramps down and we come back to life as normal, will people see the response as appropriate or an overreaction of the government? And you know, who knows what's going to happen there. And how will us? Uh, how will the pundits rewrite the history? Right? I mean, who wins the day? Pundits on rewriting history. <laughs> who characterizes the responses? And Heidi, to, to reinforce what you're saying is fluid public opinion. If you look at polling, uh, Trump has increased his um, those approving of how he's handled Corona 12 points in the last five days. Wow. But I would I wouldn't land there so much as I would say, wow, we are a fluid fluid and probably fickle consumer when it comes to politics. Absolutely. And especially when we're all stuck at home watching our TV lots of hours every day. So it'll be interesting to see what we have to talk about next week. Maybe nothing. Maybe we'll finally get a break. Yes. I want to know how remote schooling, homeschooling is going for you. Honestly, it's been going well, but I'm going to say it's going to get better in the week to come. My husband's been out of town. He's been in Monticello all week long. My college daughter who, um, decided that coronavirus was a spring break, like a bonus spring break, went to California with her friends. She just got back. My husband got back last night. So I'm happy to have him back as help because I've been doing the homeschooling before I go to work, come in at 2 o'clock. But oddly enough, it's actually been okay. Um, We have all of the teachers at our junior high who've done a great job getting everything online. The first day it was a little hard figuring out which class and how much homework to do each day. But our teachers are rock stars right now, so it's going well. And... um, Teacher and student have not gotten any fights. We're enjoying recess on the trampoline. Uh, how about your house? Is everything going okay? Kids are getting their homework done. No fights between moms and dads and kids. My youngest is in high school, in ninth grade, her first year of high school. And I will say, uh, I'll sound like the horrible parent, hats off to her, her school, which from the very beginning said this is not going to be a vacation. This is going to keep up with their curriculum. And they've held true to that. They are taking attendance at certain times, and they are checking in on oh, the wow. kids. And so it's been a little intense, actually. And she's been a, as stressed or more uh, than, than uh, during school. So on one hand... I, I should say, as a parent, of course I want her. And on the other hand, I'm now like, let's play hooky for a minute and go play lacrosse in the park just so she, right? she can get up her computer. So it, good for the school. Um, she's, you know, our stu- uh, we've, we've had a pretty rigorous set of school this week. Well, and my youngest is a college sophomore. And this semester she had already chosen all of her classes online. So nothing has changed for her at all. So life is normal. My daughter um, did tell me she's actually moving out of her dorm at Utah State today and then coming home this weekend, which I don't think she's excited about. I don't think most college kids get into it thinking they're going to have to come back to mom's house except for over the summer break. So she's coming home and setting the ground rules of we have to knock on her door before we come in because a lot of their classes where they take those tests online, they're still watching them through their cameras, making sure they're not talking to them. And moms are not allowed to come in and interrupt. So it's going to be some interesting weeks ahead. So ah, thank goodness for recess, right? So let's keep on keeping on. And the good news is we had kids because we liked them. So we got to remember that while they're home over the coming weeks. Um, And I want to remind everyone, we talked about this a minute earlier, but we can all do our part by just being nice, washing our hands, not fighting with people on Facebook. That one's for me. I fought with a few people. Give blood if you can, buy gift cards, and just be awesome. Can we all do it? We can do this. All right. This is within our ability. 
I think we can too. Well, thank you so much for being willing to call in this week. I'm thinking it's going to be the same thing next week unless we get cool and figure out how to use Zoom like the kids. We should have bought stock in Zoom. Who knew? Because they're doing big business right now. So thank you so much for calling in. I am happy to see your smiling faces in real life, hopefully sometime very soon. And have a great week, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us for another week of Take Two.